show where uh, we, we do it. We do the show. What do we do? Uh, that's the show. Oh. What's the, what's we do the show again? Uh, on time. Why do we do it? <laughs> it's a great fucking question. Uh, why, why do we do it? We do it uh, to stave off the ever-encroaching boredom upon our lives. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm your host, John. With me, as always, my uh, my co-host. And remember, that means lesser. Uh, Wombat. <laughs> it's me. It it's the lesser of the hosts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm I'm all right, John. You know I'm getting through life. Okay. Yeah. What's your glowing weak point? Oh fuck you. <laughs> um, uh. My glowing weak point is um. <laughs> you know it's a it's a really good question. Oh, Thank you. Oh, right. I thought so. Um, because about 50% of the anime audience would get really mad at me if I included it in the anime we watched, even though mm-hmm. it's totally an anime. Um, Scott Pilgrim takes off. Uh, that's my glowing weak point, even though I watched it like two weeks ago. But um, okay. it's, it's still living in my mind because it's such a perfect... Uh, sequel slash reboot slash adaptation of of Scott Pilgrim. Um, I'd like to say that uh, 0% of the viewership uh, here actually cares. Mostly because... We have no viewership? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, but in the All event right. that this blows up, you know... Yeah, this episode. Yeah, in particular. The, the anime fans they're, they're will riot. Yeah, yeah, they will. Uh huh. Fucking losers. Down. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of weebs. Fucking uh, my anime off. list weirdos. My uh, my glowing weak point this week is uh, also kind of weeby. Uh, I've been reading manga, and uh, I finished two of them this past week. No, three actually. Oh. And they're all horny. How, how horny? <laughs> Are you just reading hentai or? No. <laughs> <laughs> that took a little One bit to them... get out. <laughs> <laughs> the stutter was not the way. The... No. <laughs> um. So, uh, one was, uh, suggested to me by a friend, and it's a How Do We Relationship. It's a story about a couple of lesbians that, uh, get together and, and, and how their relationship fares. And it was written as, instead of, you know, most books end with the lovers getting together. A romance novel ends when they say I do, and that's it. Um, I mean, I guess that's yeah, one best, interpretation of a romance novel. Yeah, at, in general, like, you you, you get to the end, and, and maybe there's a skip forward where you're like, oh, this is how they lived their life, or, or this is, you know, this is how it all shaked out for them. I don't think um, that's how Jane Eyre went. No, but... Uh, 
don't think we're talking about literature classics here and just <laughs> general romance. Also debatable if Jane Eyre is a romance novel. Yeah, well, no, it's definitely a literature classic. I don't know if it's good, but it, it is. I, I think it's undeniable that it's a literary classic. Yeah. Um, how do we relationship uh, turns this a little bit on on its head by uh, the book starts with them fucking. <laughs> okay. They're, they're 100% together. And then it goes on from there to, you know, they, you know, go through trials and they they split up for a time and, and they see other people, but they're still friends. Like, like it, it, it is a very, very good manga. So it'd be like if that one anime about the moon goddess, who's totally not a moon goddess, uh, yeah, wasn't was, was incredibly was, celibate. Yeah. <laughs> if they weren't both children. Yeah. <laughs> Despite being um, adults. Uh, another one, a uh, very similar story, um, not near as good, is I Can't Believe I Slept With You. It I can't believe also, it's not butter. <laughs> it's, it's a couple of lesbians, although one doesn't know it yet, um, do uh, that, that Basically, they live the life of that uh, porn genre where it's like, oh, Mr. Uh, uh, homeowner, how will I pay my rent this week? Except um, uh, she's a girl. They're both girls. And uh-huh. also she's drunk. And then they pick up the pieces from there. And it's very short. Uh, I, th- I think it was three books total. Okay. Um, and it's over. And uh, it, I mean, it was it was kind of sweet. It was th- there wasn't a whole lot there, but I was looking through the things that were in my library that were uh, <laughs> small enough to be finished quickly. Right. Uh, How do we relationship is still ongoing? As is the last one I'm going to talk about, which is definitely the horniest of these. Uh, which is Chained Sh- Soldier, which I picked up uh, because uh, Gigguk told me to. Um, I, I'm real worried about where Chained Soldier goes. So the 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 setting is it's a um, relatively modern day world, except a while back portals to another dimension appeared that's functionally hell and uh within hell there are a whole bunch of monsters that that leave the portals and and kill people and but also isn't that just the plot of gate no there's more than one uh portal okay and the jsdf doesn't get to kick ass this time all right um instead in this time there's a resource inside of the dimension called a peach and uh when consumed they give uh really special powers that kind of are influenced by what the consumer wants except uh it only does that to women so men are pushed kind of to the the background of society 
uh, you know, we've had our time in the sun. It's, right. it's fair. I mean, men should be pushed to the back of society. Yeah, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm not, not, not mad about that. Yeah. Um, and then it's up to the superpowered women to fight back against the monsters and and keep the world safe. Uh, one of the women has a special power where she can um, enslave another being. And it's, it's not, they, they, I'm real worried again. Yeah. And they, they follow her commands and gain power, but, 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 uh, when she um, releases it, (laughs) it, it, it it takes a toll on her. So she can't just keep it up all the time. When she releases it, she has to, um, uh oh, gotcha! What is Uh-oh. it? Um, she has to like give them a gift uh-huh. uh, worthy of the amount of effort that they put into it. So most of the time, she was enslaving the monsters in the other world and having them fight for her. And then when it was all over and she canceled it, she'd you know throw them a hunk of pork or something and and be good. Um. Uh, one day he uh one of the the, the main character in this uh, a boy uh accidentally stumbles through a uh portal to the other dimension gets lost in there cuz there's they they pop up all the time and they just kind of these short term dimensional portals somehow finds now himself... in this world where women are the dominant gender the main character still somehow finds a way to be a man <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh, he is powerless. He doesn't have any skills at all. Uh, he's a hard worker, and he's good at housekeeping. Protag Kun, number um, 1,279,563. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, she shows up, and her, uh, her, uh, Slave immediately gets gibbed by another monster, and she needs help. So, um... Enslaves him. She 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 asks him if he will be her slave, and he says yes, if, <sighs> you know, as, so long as he gets to help. And he transforms into uh, an even stronger, like, monster, but he, like, keeps his brains and everything and works with her. And, uh, then... Uh, when he uh, is released at the end of this, uh, she like snuggles up with him and kisses him and a bunch of stuff because that's the way that she is forced by her power to uh, reward him. Wow, this is gross in both directions. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, she knew what could happen. Um, and at the end of that, she doesn't just go like, oh yeah, you're terrible. I'm going to like, hold on, knock you off or anything. So she got this power from the peach, right? Yes. And the peach gives women powers, uh, similar to like what they desired, right? Yes. Um, so they actually haven't gone into her particular. I, I don't. 
think they've gone into her particular wants that brought this power about. But it resulted in slavery. Yeah. yeah so, um. So uh, the the way this works, because I told you, this I'm just is a, saying, a very like this whole thing is just, it's just like a solid red flag. <laughs> um, Every page I, is I, painted I, red. I, I I told you that this is extra horny, um, and, and I I mean it because um, the other half of her power is is she can lend. Oh no! So. Uh, so she she often lends to other members of her team because it's not just her roaming out there. She's she is the leader of a team, and she's one of ten teams in in this uh, other dimension. And she she lends him to other members of her team, and also other uh, captains of other teams as, as need be. Um, and each time he gets lent, uh, he. Um, he changes forms a bit in that like he other people's forms impact like, other people's powers impact him. So like one of them has the ability to create a whirlwind like a tornado thing. And uh, so when he joins with her, he gets wings and flies really fast and, and another one can grow in size. So he gains the ability to, to like, he, he becomes like, Ten times the size and super strong and that sort of thing. Uh, but also, when he's lent to someone else, they get to pay the reward. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, a lot of the times, it's it's like he gets a head pat or or something tame uh-huh. like that. And then the but other then, times. <laughs> Sometimes when he's really, really been been worked hard, uh huh, it's been a long like, day in the mines. Uh huh. Yeah, he he does other stuff. Um, has not had sex yet, so we, we haven't gotten there yet. Man, they are not getting their mileage out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. There's a hundred and. 21 full chapters and and he hasn't had sex yet yeah it's very surprising well it it really feels Um, like they could have nipped this whole hell problem in the bud (laughs) a little bit quicker if they uh well it also takes a toll on him like his energy is sapped at the end of this too so they they can't just like oh yeah it turn him into his energy is set and then be like like (laughs) like, all the enemies he he does have to actually fight and stuff it is honestly a pretty good manga there are lots of red flags but it is is a pretty good manga anyways let's move on to the next bit of weeb shit um we done watched some anime yeah all right so there's a bunch of pink on this uh ginter uh-huh uh are are those the things you are not caught up on correct okay yeah and that's up to date yeah i'm assuming you did not watch the new episode of dead mount death play that came out yes i did of course i did okay 
<laughs> I do not miss on Dead Mount Deathplay, John. I well, do I, not miss. I did not. I <laughs> did other things today. Usually I, I watch at night. And... It's fine. It was one of the weaker episodes. It was basically okay. just a big old info dump for a large part of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but if well, you want to talk let's... about that, we can start there. Yeah, uh, let's go ahead. Because De- Dead Mount Deathplay, um, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but it's written by the same guy who wrote uh, Bacano and Dararara. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have. And and while, while Dead Mount Deathplay definitely does have a main character, unlike those other shows... It is, his, his writing style is definitely, um, showing through a lot in part two, where, where, like, whole episodes, fucking Polka will barely show up on screen, and we're just, like, we're doing shit with Solitaire, and we're doing shit with the detectives, and we're doing shit with the, the, the different assassin families. (laughs) Yep. It's a whole lot of that. And I don't dislike that um no like i really like bacano's writing style not a huge fan of durarara but you know it's good (laughs) it's fine um i i wish it would draw back a little bit more okay like i i wish the narrative would recenter around polka pretty soon because it, it feels like we're following too much right now yeah, like it, I, it does. I get how everything ties together and the importance of it all, but but it's just a lot. <laughs> uh huh. Um, I'm uh, I, I'm still watching The Wire, and it kind of reminds me of how I feel sometimes watching The Wire, where like a a, a scene will happen for thirty seconds, and if I turn my head, then I miss something that's going to be critically important, like three episodes from now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's still really good. I I love it. It's it's a great time. Yeah, it's good. Not as good as the Apothecary Diaries, though. No, I mean, I didn't know you were going to go right into the best show of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I I still think that Freeran is the best show. It's really in the Diaries air for me. Is a, is a close second. Yeah. It's a close second. To be fair, the um, latest episode of Freebrin did make me cry. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but the Apothecary Diaries, um It's it's just solid all the way through. It really is. And and like every time I'm I saw have you watched the newest episode? Yes. Okay. So I saw the twist that her dad had been in the palace before coming, like, a billion miles away. Yeah. But it was still somehow impactful, like, the way she went about finding out. Mm-hmm. And, and it's in the middle of this, like, extended arc, too, which I didn't think was gonna keep going, right? Like, like I thought yeah. it was... When the... The one, um... 
Cortison was attempted, like, like had an attempted poisoning. Um, I thought they yes. wrapped that up, like, fairly tidily, you know? Uh-huh. And, and then it's it's sprawled out across, like, five episodes at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's definitely continued. Yeah, and I I was caught off guard by that, because we did have the one episode where she just kind of fucked off to to <laughs> see her dad. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, we're just going back to the, like, this happened, and then this happened. But but no, we're in the middle of an extended arc. And I like it. Yeah. It's a good arc. Uh-huh. I'm still not sure who did it. <laughs> No, me either. And and I really like this like 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 murder mystery shit. And I I feel like I'm kind of good at guessing who did what, you know? Yeah. But but I I have no idea. There's too many players, too many people with motive, with opportunity. Like like Or maybe not even too many people with motive. Not enough people with motive. No people with motive. Yeah. Or if they do have motive, it's like... It's bullshit, right? Like, if they tried to kill somebody over this, it is... It is dumb that they did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Alright, I'm gonna knock out a few of mine. Do it! Um, Goblin Slayer 2. Not gonna say anything. It's the same as last time. Just keep enjoying it. Or don't. Um, (laughs) Saints and Magic Power is Omnipotent, Season 2. Um, this season was less good compared to the last one. Are they omnipotent? Functionally, yes. (laughs) Um, this season has not had a lot of action. Last season, there was they, they did a whole bunch of like uh, death swamp purifying, and uh, in this one, they've done one functionally off screen, and then they did a two episode run of doing another one, and that was the last one. And like, like there are no more death swamps in in the nation. So oh, her so, job is done. So she's done. Yeah. Um, so, so the series is over? There's like an episode or two left and it's it's just going to end up with her getting married to one of the the other main characters. Oh, is that um, how it's going? Yeah. We're like firmly and, in epilogue territory now. Yes. And I I really feel like they didn't use this season to tell much of a story. Damn. So, uh, I, I'd say this season is a miss. <laughs> um, a swing and a miss? Yeah. Or did they even uh, swing? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tell me about my daughter left the nest and returned an S-rank adventure. Uh, this is still surprisingly good. Um... It's definitely fallen more into, like, the generic fantasy shit as it's gone along. Um, Yeah. But it's still, like, really cozy. 
the fight scenes are lackluster, to be honest. Um, and the political intrigue is mid. But okay. I just like the characters. It, it's just a good time spending time with uh, Angie and, and Belgrieve. You know? It's, it's okay. comfort food. Yeah. It's like one of those solidly 6 out of 10 shows, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's about two points higher than this season of The Saints Magic Powers Omnipotent. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, from what you described, it's definitely doing more story-wise with its time, you know? Like, yeah. they are continuing the, the the core idea of, like, the Demon King stuff right now. Like, the Demon Kings are, are coming back and heralding the uh, the <clears throat> resurgence of the demon lord or whatever um, ex- except they're coming they're they're coming in kind of like humanoid and, and they don't they're not like the demon kings are and they're not like super hostile and based on what the newest one looks like I have a theory that Angie is also a demon king <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speak. Speaking of demon kings, how far behind are you in Hulk? Oh, since the last time we talked about it, I still have not watched an episode. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we are we are getting close to the end of the show. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure this is going to be a a one season show with the way things are wrapping up. You think they're tying up all the uh, everything I, in one season? I I think they will. There's there's still three episodes left uh i think is what it is it's either two or three and it's it's coming to a head we've we've spent a lot of time away from peewee and Anne and um helk um oh so like a lot of time with the the demons who are left behind they so we we spent a long long time dealing with the flashback Right. And then then yes, it's focused a good bit on uh the the demons who are <laughs> currently fighting off the waves of of human heroes. Yeah, I, I cannot uh, remember their names. It's like the badass sword lady and the fast guy and the Buddhist yeah, monk. Yeah, Hura. Hura is is awesome. Yeah. Um Yeah. That's a uh, She's she's a badass. Uh, we got to see a, a whole bunch of her in the most recent episode, and uh, some funny antics around her. This is still an incredible show. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a must watch. It's just not quite as good as the others. Yeah, I'll probably just get get around to binging it like on a weekend, right when it ends. Yeah. Um. What about the rest of the pinks? <laughs> I've still not touched Dr. Stone. Um, Oof. I I am reluctant to get into Spy Family. Because like, okay. I've heard from you that the show is, st- is not hitting the heights of like season one. But I've heard no. from other friends that the boat arc is like super awesome. So... I'm sitting one episode away from starting the boat arc, and and, and the that's... boat arc was good. 
Yeah. I will agree with that. And it it's it's a a good chunk of episodes. And then it kind of goes back to normal after that. It's it's only one episode post uh, it's half an episode post boat. Um but and see that's yeah. the part I'm worried about is like like I love the arcs but I don't want to get back to the point where we're just doing the fucking like little half episode Saturday morning cartoon shit. Yep. <laughs> I that's don't want to get what there. It is. <laughs> yeah. And the way things are going like there's there is no other underlying uh, like, like there's, there's technically the grand plot of it of, of he needs to find the information and get close to, to Damien's dad or whatever. But there is, if they do something with that, like if they do meet up, it will be completely out of the blue. Like yeah, we're the, no closer the, to it than we were before. Yeah. With the first season, there was a through line of them working towards that and building up to it and, and you know, a couple swings and misses and, and stuff. And it now ended it feels... with a point where, like, they did meet for a moment. Uh-huh. Which gave, like, hope that we would keep building on that. It, it feels like they've mostly forgotten the 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 core plot. concept yeah they're, <laughs> they're just continuing the the funnies and the other show parts but there's no thought to the actual overarching plot of the show i mean maybe i'll be proven wrong but i i don't think so and it's disappointing because like all of the best shows i can think of always stick to like the goal of the main characters right like yeah one piece is all about luffy trying to find the one piece and everything they do is another step in that direction uh-huh. uh demon slayer is all about trying to eradicate the demons from the world and every step yeah. tanjiro takes is a step in the direction of him killing all the demons right yes and, and like that's the good shit to keep it rolling, but but uh-huh. when they when they wander off and do dumb bullshit, it's like what what are we doing? Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I could never get into Naruto because like Naruto clearly does have goals. I couldn't tell you what they are because <laughs> I, I don't know much about Naruto. I think he wants to be the strongest ninja in the world i think he wants to eat ramen because that's all they did for the first like three seasons yeah yeah and so i lost interest (laughs) (laughs) i stopped watching yeah um so you also haven't kept up with the eminence and shadow uh which is a very big failure on my part that it's a huge failure um i really want to keep up with it there's just so much we're we're in the middle of dealing with oriana's kingdom okay oh so rose is back in play like, like yes okay rose features heavily in these stories um i like rose also uh he for a while there 
um, actively worked against Shadow Garden. I mean, I kind of got that feel because I'm halfway maybe through the uh, the money arc, right? And, okay. and like what he was doing was like like by distributing counterfeit currency, he knew that he was also undermining the currency of of Shadow Garden, like their their shit. Mm-hmm. So I kind of figured they'd eventually catch on and come to him and be like, "Yo, what the fuck." Did, yeah. did that happen? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll need to watch it. Uh, it's real good. The, okay. the show continues to be real good. And then lastly of things that I'm also watching that you are failing to watch. Uh, Dr. Stone New World Part 2. We have just wrapped up, basically, the end of the season. And, uh, whew, we, we get another glimpse at the big bad. And, uh, do you know where the, the big bad is? I mean, wasn't he in South America? Uh-uh. It's a place you'll never guess. The moon. So, uh, fuck, you guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yep, so the next step... Uh, you they, said they I'd just, never uh, guess it, so I immediately went to the moon. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, it, it ended with, with uh, like, the this whole arc has been them using a, um, uh, a device that can cause the, uh, the petrification. Like, it is the petrification device. Yeah. Uh, and then we find out at the very end that uh, this isn't the petrification device. This is one of like 8 million. <laughs> and they were sent here from the moon? Uh huh. Yeah. They were. They, they bombed. The moon bombed the island, the petrification island, with like 100 of these. Huh. And that's how they got one of them because one person survived and they they found it and yeah, it's wild. I see. Well, I'll binge that one also and catch up. Yeah, I really a lot I to binge because you I, should be real far back. Yeah. All right, I'll get the last two of mine out of the way. Um. Berserk of Gluttony is definitely just a continued power fantasy. Um, just swinging a big dick around? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he finally just revealed himself to uh, his uh, girlfriend, basically. Um, but they don't call each other that? No, no. They don't and hold like, hands or kiss? No. no. It's like one, ze- one episode till the end. It's... So maybe they'll, we'll like, touch happens. fingertips and get embarrassed. Uh-huh. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, it won't be good. <laughs> I'm in love with the villainous. Uh, remains a very good anime. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, I'd say watch it. All right, last two. Uh, Shangri-La Frontier. Go. 
gosh, so good. <laughs> Such good art. Um, there are times when I feel like not enough is happening. Like, like the plot seems a little slow, but I'm hoping that they're just holding back for multiple seasons of this. It, it really feels like they're, they're, they're going to do, uh, multiple seasons and, and go this for the long run, which would be fantastic. Genuinely, they could turn this into like a Sword Art Online style thing where they just leave the initial game behind eventually and move on to other shit just with the core cast. And I'd still like it. (laughs) Honestly, yes, I am down for that. Because like, like, let's 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 give it a, a, you know, a One Piece esque run. We'll we'll beat this game across, you know, six seasons. Right. And and then let's just move on to the next thing. I I agree. I would love to watch these people even just play the shittiest games. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a prequel of the whole Unite Rounds thing. <laughs> oh, that would be good. It wouldn't. It's it's fine as the like quarter of an episode <laughs> thing it is. <laughs> yeah. Um but I was actually gonna say, like, like sometimes it feels like they're blasting through shit too fast for me, and this latest episode, they slowed things down and just, like, had an extended sequence of the big rabbit Yakuza oh, guy yeah. making him yeah. new swords, and that was the that coolest part of the sho- show for me. It was. I agree. <laughs> I was like, I really enjoy these moments where we just, like, enjoy something that the game is doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alright, and and then Ron Kamonohashi's Forbidden Deductions, which is definitely not too, too gay men. Just really feels like it should be. It's not? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's actually more than two gay men. That's where you're wrong. You know, I think all the men are gay. And, really? And, yeah, and mm. and that definitely doesn't just carry over from Hitman Reborn, where it felt like all the men were gay in that too. <laughs> uh. I mean, when you have a show where you have only one major named female character right yeah yeah it it it, it tends to build the feeling in people that the men in your show are gay now when you write two shows where both have only one major named female character for a large portion of their run it really builds up the idea uh, that every then, man you ever write is gay. <laughs> and add on to that, the fact that she's not a love interest. I think Amamiya is In kind of a love interest. No. I, th- I, think, it, I think she is. I no. think the show wants us to think, you're right. I'm really I grasping think the at straws. Show wants us to think that she is interested in Ron, but there is no reversal there at all. 
No, I, I don't think Ron is interested her, in her at all. I think no. if Toto could stop being um, berated by her every moment of every day, he would have feelings for her. They seem like they would actually get along if she wasn't such a fucking stick in the mud. Um, I don't think so. No? I, I think there's there's no chemistry there at all. No? Yeah. Wow. No. Okay. There's definitely more between Toto and Ron, so they can be gay. What do we say about Freerun Beyond Journey's End? I mean, I said it, it earlier, makes... the latest episode made me cry just as much as, like, the first three did. Yeah, it's... And it's good crying. Yeah. Like, they're they're not just pulling some bullshit. You, no. You, you have feelings for for what's going on. It's it's magical. Yeah. Um the show uh, also it, it did a really good job of hiding the fact that it was going to introduce a new main character. Uh-huh, it did. Like a lot of shows do this really awful thing where if somebody joins the cast like super late um, they'll still have them in the opening sequence, like featured heavily. Uh, Shangri-La yeah. Frontier is actually guilty of this. Um, it yeah. had the blonde girl in there for the longest fucking time. And it's like, I don't even know who this is. <laughs> she yeah. didn't show up until recently. Yeah. Well, she didn't show up until the last episode. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think they did a good job with that though. Of, she didn't show up until the latest episode. <laughs> and it wasn't like, oh... Which know, isn't technically true. She had shown up before. Not as that character. But not as that character. That That's that's the thing, is that you, you see a character in the opening credits and you're like, alright, cool, they're gonna join. And then you see them in the world and you're like, alright, cool, they're, this is, they're either joining now or they're gonna bump into each other and then two episodes down the line after fighting over each other for a while they're gonna join up right like it's it's inevitable from this point on you see the character you know they're in with shangri-la frontier it introduced a character and we're like all right cool there's this character and then later is like yeah, all right, so that's what this character looks like in this game. And you're like, oh, hey, cool, cool. They're already a part of the team. We knew they were a part of the team. Yeah. And now we know what they look like when they're in the game as a part of the team. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but but going back to Free Run, they did a really good job of hiding the priest, you know? Uh-huh. <clears throat> which I, I thought was a really a good, a good touch. Because he does join so late in the show that it was it was surprising to me that they added a new person to their their party. Me too. Yeah, and he's really cool. Uh huh. <laughs> I like him a lot. Me uh, too. He's he's very mature and also like a complete childish buffoon at the same time. Um, yeah, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. God, I love Freerun. I <sighs> am certain that there's going to be a season two. 
I hope there's fucking 20 seasons of this. <laughs> I just hope they don't lose the, the magic between them. Yeah. God, that would suck. Game facts. The facts about the Clue VCR mystery game. That's a mouthful. Wait, VCR? <laughs> oh, how do you play a game on a VCR? <laughs> Clue VCR Mystery Game is a 1985 video board game developed by Isabel Garrett at Parker Brothers for the VHS. I just realized that the rest of this fucking episode is going to be me just reading shit that's written on the page in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> In Clue VCR Mystery Game, you play as a detective observing the, qu- the guests of the late Mr. Body and some additional strangers, who recently arrived at the mansion of his sister, Mrs. Body, who wishes to perform a seance to inquire who his murderer was. We're already off the rails. We're already we're already way off the rails from what Clue is. <laughs> During the course of the night, several guests are murdered, and it's up to you to determine who killed who, where, and with what. Was a uh, singing candy gram murdered? No. Lame. <laughs> That's my favorite scene in the movie of Clue. Uh-huh. It's great. <laughs> it's a really good scene. <laughs> Just bang. Yeah. Very similar to the standard board game, however, instead of drawing three random cards at the beginning, you play through one of the six mysteries on the tape, with set stories and thus predetermined murderers, victims, weapons, and locations. This is already weaker than the Clue board game, then, because... Yes, for repeated play, it's it's not as good. Yeah. You've got six mysteries, and and while there is some replayability within that, um, it's, it's a lot harder. Yeah. In addition to the classic characters, Miss Scarlet, Colonel Mustard, the best character in the movie... Mrs. White, Reverend slash Mr. Green, Mrs. Peacock, and Professor Plum, this game introduced four new suspects. Monsieur Brunette, Madame Madame Rose, Sergeant Gray, and Miss Peach, who would all later appear in Clue Master Detective. <clears throat> the, the Is it Peach from uh, Super Mario Brothers? It is not. Missed Opportunity. She's a little ditzy. Who's your favorite character in the uh, the Clue movie, by the way? Other than oh. Tim Curry. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> Right. Clearly. Uh, there is a butler that features in the uh, Clue VCR mystery game, although he is not one of the suspects and is never murdered or one of the murderers. It's very, very plainly set up front is the, uh, his name is Butler did it. <laughs> he is the Butler did it. Great. <laughs> to determine your clues, you draw clue cards that have vague facts numbered one through six corresponding to which mystery you're playing. 
Facts could be things like, the victim who died by the knife did so in a room with brown floors. Or, Miss Scarlet murdered someone with the weapon Mrs. Peacock holds. And you must remember these facts as you observe the scenes to decipher their meaning. Since you don't hold all the clues, there are also investigation cards that allow you to look at or steal other players' cards, or even discard yours so nobody can do the reverse. The, uh, tape is actually pretty awesome. Uh, they, they did a great job acting out in the, the, uh, the set. It's, it's pretty fun to watch. Is it it's like, not as good as, as the Tim Curry Clue movie, but it's it's pretty damn good. It's like live action? Yeah. Uh, oh. It's, it's like the Tim Curry Clue movie, but there's six different mysteries, like six different versions of the events that you play through. Right. And and they they walk around, they interact with each other, they, you know, carry things around... Yeah, it's okay. it's pretty great. That's cool. To solve the game, once you are certain of your accusation, you look in the accompanying murder book and use the decoder glass to reveal if you were right. Additionally, you can play where each player randomly receives a character card and must discover who the other players are by asking questions using investigation cards. And to beat the game must also guess everyone's identity. If you get someone wrong, then someone else can try to correctly guess the remaining people and solve the murder in order to steal your victory. Yeah. Isabel Garrett put herself through college by dancing at the 49er, a topless bar you can see in the closing credits of The Odd Couple, and went on to work with Ned Strongen, Strongen, mm-hmm. Strongen. In- Strongen who invented the Weeble? Uh-huh. As well as co-designed Connect Four. What is the Weeble? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. I hate you. <laughs> you do not know what the Weeble is? No, I have no idea what the Weeble is. Wow. <laughs> I'm surprised. I thought everyone knew about Weebles. I'm getting an image of the Weeble now. Yeah. What weebles the wobble, fuck is that monstrosity? <laughs> they're they're egg shaped uh characters that wobble. I hate this. But they don't fall down. I hate that thing. I mean that's just <laughs> one variety. I mean there's there's plenty more. Like okay. there's there's that one and there's all of these and uh, I'm going to take yeah. the image of the first one you showed me, and that's going to be this episode's um, c- cover image. Uh, oh, okay. So so people, uh, uh, other other fellows who don't know what a Weeble is can learn the way I did. Okay. She would go on to invent the whoopsie doll. Which squeals when you press its belly and its pigtails fly up. And sold over 400,000 units. Uh And developed the card game Greed, as well as Go Fetch It, 
which included a cassette tape that explained the rules, played music, and yelled out instructions occasionally. These last three things, I... I don't know what they are. (laughs) Well, a cassette tape was an old... No, um, I know what that is. (laughs) I I have cassette tapes. Okay. Dude, he developed... He he designed Connect 4. Like, he he created it. Uh, Ned Strongen? Connect 4 before Ned Strongen. Yeah. And Isabel Garrett. No, Isabel Garrett didn't help with that. Ned Strongen did it with... You said she co-designed it. Gary Wexler. No, I said that Ned Strongen... Oh, Ned Strongen co-designed it. I see. So she's invented all this shit I've never heard of. The whoopsie doll, greed, and go fetch it. Okay. Isabel realized that everybody was playing with devices, but the games were mostly made by programmers and not game designers. So she approached her industry contact asking if companies were looking for game designers to pair with programmers. The answer? Literally everybody is looking for that. (laughs) After a bidding war over her skills, she went with Parker Brothers. An an actual bidding war. She had like 40 different uh, offers from various companies fighting over her. Yeah. Jesus. And it... That that feels like a problem that carries on to today, to be honest. Um, oh, absolutely. Ga- game designers not being so so much of a, uh, a part of these teams as, as much as programmers are. I 100% agree. <laughs> um, and, and like that that was evident in my classwork in that I had one class on the elements of of game design and the entire rest of my coursework was various forms of of programming or or introduction to uh, engines and and stuff like that. It, it was all practical programming work and you went to school for game design right correct yeah yeah that's wild uh it's it's something that like there there are a lot of books about game design that i have you know since purchased and and read through and marked up and (laughs) 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 taken some of the stuff and thrown it out the window because it's bullshit and you know, there's it's it's not as honestly not as well studied as it should be and it's certainly not as well taught or used in uh modern studios yeah and you can feel that sometimes like just in playing the games oh yeah it's sad yeah in 1984, the video game crash had just happened, and twee-slash-game manufacturers were trying to decide what to do next. Isabel pointed out that Atari wasn't the device hooked up to most TVs, the VCR was, and they took that and ran with it. She proposed Clue because they already had the rights for it, and there was the movie coming out that year, and only needed two things to get started. A Clue board, because she had never played it before, and someone to explain how a VCR works. 
this woman is wild. <laughs> She's like, let's make a game about Clue. Okay, what's it going to be about? Dunno, never played it. Yeah, I, I've got this genius idea. Let's use Clue and let's use VCRs. They're like, nobody has ever thought of this before. You are a genius. Um, what, what do, do we do? To, to, yeah, what, what do you need uh, to make this happen? Um, do you have a, a, a Clue game? Because uh, I've never played it before and don't know what it is. <laughs> and next... I just know y'all own it. What the fuck is a VCR? <laughs> and she, she is... I do not watch like, television. <laughs> she is... Well, I mean, this, this was early in on the, uh, you know... People buying VCRs, like this is this is at the start of of the craze of everyone buying VCRs. That's true, actually. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she she didn't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> <laughs> um. This is this is exactly like what's happened. Um. Over and over again for the last like ten years is is people going to uh mobile app developers and being like. Dude, I've got this great idea. Um, I've heard of this thing called crypto and this thing called AI. What if crypto, crypto AI, AI on an I, Android I just, phone? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 this is it's genius. I know it is. All you've got to do is, is make the, work. the thing. <laughs> I've, I've got this incredible idea. That's what she did, but she actually was a genius, right? You know, there's a lot of ideas, guys, in the world, you know? Um, uh-huh. Very few of them have the ability to make their ideas come to fruition. Which is why they're always paying other people to do it. Yes. She was both. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that. Clue VCR Mystery Game performed incredibly well. The year it was released, it had the fourth highest sales for a VHS tape. Just all tapes. After all tapes. Beverly Hills Cop, Star Trek 3, and Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Just just barely was beaten out by Ghostbusters. The incredible movie. <laughs> also, 1985 was the year fucking Back to the Future came out. Did it come out on uh-huh. VHS that year, too? Probably? Did it beat out Back to the Future? Uh, I really want to know. I'll, I'll look it up. It went on to have a sequel with the same cast, as well as spawn an entire genre of games that lasted until 1997, when the DVD came to North America. Five years uh, later... It, it was released in 86. Okay, so it, it didn't have to compete that year with uh, Back to the Future. No. All right. Five years later, it would continue its legacy in a new way with DVD board games, including an animated Clue sequel. Huh. Okay. Yeah. No. There's. It was a, a whole genre. There. There were hundreds of games that came out during that time. Um, Monopoly. There, there. There were. There were three main 
divisions of the games. There were the reproductions of standard board games like Monopoly and Clue and, and the like. Sorry. A lot of trivia ones. Yeah. Uh, there were um, ones that, that like, like new games. There weren't that many of those. Um, just people making new ideas for games. And right. The third one was um, tie-ins. So there were there was a Star Wars VCR game. There was a Star Trek VCR game that I grew up with and played. Um, <laughs> and it, it was a great chance for these because these were mostly produced by the production companies themselves. Right. Uh, you know, thirty. So Lucas Lucasfilms made uh, the Star Wars yeah. one. Correct. Um, the the Star Trek one features Jonathan Frakes Riker, you know, as Riker voicing over things in it. And, and oh man, I was just trying to the, think of that guy's name the other day. Yeah, yeah. He he appears in in the opening to that, and then they get the the actor who played Galron, the Klingon High Counselor, um, to come back in as a different Klingon, which was kind of weird. Um, but he's the the main antagonist. Jonathan Frakes also did. Fuck, I can't remember the name of that show. But myth, myth or uh... yes, fact, factor fiction. <laughs> yes, yeah. The like, like I was, I was Beyond thinking about belief. that show the other day. Yeah, <laughs> and I could not remember Jonathan Frakes' name there's, <laughs> to there's save a, my a life. Of, there's a bunch of videos. Uh, on YouTube of just the clips of, of Jonathan Frakes yeah. saying things are a lie. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like he's gaslighting you the entire time. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Didn't happen. We made that up. I, no. Yeah. That's, ex- that's the meme I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, he also... I love it David so much. Xanatos in Gargoyles. And uh, he was. Are we just reading uh, Jonathan Frakes <laughs> IMDb right now? <laughs> uh-huh. <clears throat> uh huh. Isabel's career didn't last much more than a couple of years after her epiphanous designs were heard. Epiphanous? That's uh-huh. a word. <laughs> Thank you. I've. Hold on. I have to stop real quick and find out what epiphanous means. Showing an epiphany. Being or relating to an epiphany. Merriam-Webster was not helpful. Merriam-Webster says the meaning of epiphanous is epiphanic. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's being or relating to an epiphany, which in itself is a sudden intuitive perception of or insight into the reality or essential meaning of something. Yeah, I mean, I know what an epiphany is. I'd never heard of the word epiphanous before. And now not only have you heard it, you've said it. Yeah, several times. Epiphanous. Went, went on to design the body web line of spandex clothing that luxury brand Dior eventually ripped off. Do, do we have, like, like, court evidence of that? Did she get a big payout from Dior? No, but there is a lot of uh, news about it. Okay. Lived in a nudist colony for a long while, and now stage acts and paints backdrops for a little theater guild in Florida. She's awesome. 
And that was just the facts. She is she is our newest hero. She's cool as shit. <laughs> I mean, she started out working at a topless bar, <laughs> dancing at a topless bar, then made a whole bunch of games and toys and shit. Invented a genre and then went on to to make <laughs> a line of of skimpy spandex clothing that Dior, the luxury brand, ripped off. Then she went and lived in a nudist colony, and and now she's she's just a stage actor. And she stumbled into half of that. Like <laughs> I love the fact that she's just like, I've got this idea. You just need to explain to me what my idea is. <laughs> she and is then, truly forest gumping her way through life. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she she found the um the guild that she, you know, acts at now because she was looking for a mattress online. <laughs> she was she was googling for a mattress and found an ad for Once Upon a Mattress. And so she went to that, hoping, like, like it was person, a mattress store? That, hoping that it was a mattress store, where in, in fact, <laughs> it is a play. <laughs> and so she watched the play, because she was like, well, I'm here. And she watched the play. And, and then the very next um, uh, play that they did. She went to and got into the play. Like, she she tried out and got into the play. And she has been in every single production since then. <laughs> Incredible lady. That's amazing. That's beautiful, really. Uh-huh. God, I love her. <sighs> you know what I also love, John? This book? This book that we read. This is it's a real a good book. Really good book. Yeah. It's, it's it is it is an exceptional book. It is a very good book. <laughs> we're we're kind of on a roll. Uh are you ready for me to ruin that uh next season? Uh because I'm gonna. <laughs> great. Love it. <laughs> um before we get started, did you have anything you wanted to say? About the book, John. Uh, no, I I have one nitpick. That's it. One nitpick. Uh huh. All right. Get, what what is it? The, there is a a one of the characters is Bulgarian. Uh huh. And uh, they one of the other characters right uh, in their story talks about this character and mentions that. Her dark eyes were as lustrous as the waves of the Dead Sea that crash on the shore of her homeland. The Dead Sea does not border Bulgaria. The the Dead Sea ain't fucking anywhere near Bulgaria. Yeah. But and also, considering I, what we know about that character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Believable I, she'd fuck that up. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. That that totally might be intentional on the author's part. <laughs> I, and I I thought for a minute like maybe maybe this is a translation thing, but it's not. 
You're right. It's 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 definitely not. No, it's definitely a thing she said. Yeah. All right. So the book we read is The Dark Maidens. And and as as always, John, feel free to interrupt me if you have any thoughts or anything. Otherwise, I'm Probably just going to blast won't. through this. I've actually skimmed through and I agree for the most part. I don't think there's anything I noticed disagreeing. This is a murder mystery novel wherein the members of a Catholic all-girls school's literature club share short, short stories. Whew, that was like a tongue twister kind of thing. <laughs> share short stories? Share short stories? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they wrote that reflect their interpretations of the personality and death of their club president, Itsumi Shiraishi. They sit in total darkness, except for one candle held by the new club president, Itsumi's best friend Sayori, who is hosting the event, and a candle by the fireplace where the current reader sits while sharing their story. While the story is being read, the others, e- the others eat a mystery stew that is continually being added to by Sayori, with ingredients all the members have provided. Before going into the different stories, there are a few elements they all have in common. The first is that Itsumi was a beloved, popular, cheery, beautiful girl that they each idolized for one reason or another. The second is that Itsumi fell from the third-story terrace and died clutching white lily of the valleys. And the third is that each girl claims to have been a confidant for some secret conflict Itsumi had with one of the others. I was trying to talk to my wife about this book. And she asked me if it was sad. And I was like, not really. No, no. Like it presents itself as if it should be sad. Yeah. But even at the beginning, you don't get the feeling that they're treating it with sadness. And it's, it's weird because it's like the, the entire book is about the death of one girl. One of their friends. One of their friends. But no, it's not sad. <laughs> it's not sad at all. From from the beginning and definitely at the end. <laughs> oh, definitely at the end. <laughs> Mireille Nitani goes first. She's a new student, the most recent addition to the club, and so she functions as the standard audience surrogate, introducing us to the various characters before expounding on her theory. Marae is a scholarship student at this private school, the only one in fact, and due to her family facing financial difficulties, she had to take on a part-time job. Itsumi learned of this and offered to set Marae up as her younger brother's tutor, a job which Marae accepted. Eventually, she witnessed a family argument between Itsumi and her father, which Itsumi said was because she had learned another club member, Sonoko Koga, was seducing her father. She, su- she speculates that Itsumi deciding to find hard evidence about this resulted in Sonoko killing Itsumi, with Itsumi gripping at the Lily of the Valleys because Sonoko's unique perfume had their smell. Are, okay, about that. Uh-huh. That, that, that is a gimmick throughout the entire book. Every single story <laughs> has some way of tying back the lily of the valleys that she held to every single person. (laughs) And like some of them, I actually do believe them when they say that 
like like they thought this is what it signified. Yeah. And, and it it's, it's weird how often Lily of the Valleys keep popping up in Itsumi's life. Right? Uh-huh. It it is. It's it's <laughs> like she's gone out of the way to surround herself with things that are Lily of the Valley-esque. Uh-huh. <laughs> almost as if she did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Almost. <laughs> almost. Akane Komanami is the resident baker, setting up shop in the salon's kitchen more often than in the salon itself. Oh, yeah, did I mention their state-of-the-art salon-slash-library-slash-club room, complete with fully stocked kitchen and rare copies of books from the 1920s? I think it's important to mention it now, because Mireille's story obviously touched on the class disparity between herself and the very wealthy Itsumi whose father is chairman of the school and the owner of several other businesses. Uh, Akane takes this opportunity to wage full-class warfare against Murray. See, Akane is the daughter of a well-known traditional Japanese chef, and she inherited his love of cooking. She's a woman, and not even the eldest child, though, so she has no prospect of taking over the family business, despite her passion for the art. One night, shortly after actually meeting Itsumi for the first time, she goes on a very pretentious rant about beauty being in flaws and shit, and so she initially hated the unflawed Itsumi. She returns home to find the restaurant in flames. She had been working with her father to set up a second location where she would be in charge, but after this devastating fire, there's obviously no hope for that. So she starts using the salon's kitchen, and eventually Itsumi starts hanging out with her in there and confiding that she's being stalked. Itsumi is claiming that Murray all but forced her to, to hire Murray on as a tutor, and is now stealing things from her house. On the day Itsumi said she would confront Murray about the thefts, specifically regarding a stolen barrette that Murray, in her story, had said was a gift of friendship from Itsumi, she was found dead below the terrace. Akane believes Murray killed her, and that the lily of the valley signify the barrette, which had the flower painted on it. Like, it was really gross how how uh-huh. much Akane hammered in, like, the class shit with Murray. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And it's... It's almost enough to make me believe uh, one of the theories near the end of the book. I, I, I kind of want to skip to the end. Yeah? Just just to, to hammer on some of this. <laughs> uh, uh, which part of the end? The them moving forward after this. Them moving forward. Uh, everyone. So like er, at the at the end of the book, everyone move. You know, like everyone moves forward and they they continue their life and uh, right. They each have to continue their life. Having said all this shit about everyone else. Right, yes. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, Murray has to move on, realizing that Akane feels this way about her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Akane's is one of the more... Le- There's one that I think is grosser. Yes. 
but but if it hadn't been for that, I would think that Akane comes off looking the worst out of all of the girls telling stories. Yeah. Like, just... And... Well, it's in the next paragraph. But, um... Here I must note that at the end of each story, Sayori has some things to say between each reader. I didn't find the first instance particularly worth mentioning, and after I wrote this, I didn't find any of the other ones worth mentioning either. <clears throat> but now, two things happen. First, Sayori notes the wildly different stories being told here. There is no way both of these interpretations could be true. Someone is lying. The second is that Sayori notes that Mireille has pulled the barrette from her hair, which possibly indicates she, the first reader in our introduction to all of these people, was the one lying. We now have to reconsider not only all the new information we're receiving, but also everything that's already been told to us. Ultimately, there will only be a handful of events that we actually know happened, and even then, the specific details are hazy. It's a masterfully written book. Yes. <sighs> Diana Dekeva? De- 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 I never... It's a D- Diana Desheva. Desheva? How I okay. pronounced it. Alright, Diana Desheva is a Bulgarian transfer student who met and fell in love with Itsumi when Itsumi and her teacher, the club advisor Mr. Hojo, participated in a homestay program. Itsumi actually visited Diana and her sister Emma twice, the first time alone, the second time with fellow literature club member Shio Takaoka, a published novelist. Diana finds Shio off-putting and recounts numerous dirty tricks Shio would play on Itsumi during their two-week stay. It is also personally offended that Shio doesn't seem interested in Bulgaria at all. After Itsumi leaves, the possibility opens for for one of the sisters to visit Itsumi's school in Japan. And despite her love for Itsumi, Diana says Emma should be the one to go, since Diana's left leg is paralyzed and it would be harder for her to experience Japan. Emma has a serious accident requiring hospitalization shortly before the trip, however, and Diana goes to take her place. While in Japan, she notices the hostile relationship between Shio and Itsumi, particularly surrounding Itsumi's attempts to get Shio to translate her novel into other languages, which Shio refuses to do. Due to one particularly violent altercation at the Easter event, where Shio attempts to strangle Itsumi, Diana is convinced that Shio murdered Itsumi, and the Lily of the Valley represents her book, Kimi Kageso, which is a traditional way to pronounce the flower in Japanese. This is the first story where I immediately sussed out the big lie that was being told. Diana recounts that after Emma's injury, her visa application process was handled very quickly and smoothly, which is why she was able to come. Anyone familiar with any visa application process knows quickly and smoothly aren't in their vocabulary, so I immediately assumed that Diana had actually already started the process and tossed her sister down the stairs herself. In one of the later stories, this will be confirmed to be true. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty glaring one. It's like... Yeah. Y'all had... "Mm, You had less than a month to go? (laughs) <laughs> you had less than a month before your trip, and you just 
got your visa? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not gonna happen. No, that that never happens. Sokono Koga, an aspiring doctor and one of the top students at the school, presents herself as a coldly rational person, observing only the pure objective facts of the case. She saw Itsumi, who also wanted to be a doctor, as a rival, but was nevertheless concerned when she noticed Itsumi's health taking a turn for the worse. What did she discover to be the reason? Well, she takes a turn for the wildly racist, implying the foreign Diana is a servant of the devil using voodoo witch magic to cause pain and suffering to Itsumi because Itsumi was in talks with her father to expand the, the international exchange student program beyond Bulgaria, which meant Diana wouldn't have a chance at returning. Eventually, Diana would use her black magic to force Itsumi to jump to her death, with the Lily of the Valley signifying Diana's hometown of Levograd, where they grew. I was so caught off guard by this, I had to stop to catch my breath. It is rather shocking, especially <laughs> from the start, because the whole thing at the beginning is is very analytical. Yes. it's it's And it's... She is a woman of science. And the the world is full of stories of of men and women of science who who then, you know, come upon things that can't be explained. I think he just described all of Lovecraft's work. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, Also a wild racist. Right! Um, (laughs) But... This this was just shocking with how fast the turn is so sudden. And, and it's whiplash. There's, there's no double thing that like there's there's no like double guessing of like maybe maybe it's actually something else. Maybe it's maybe it's actually no. It's just she she sees a picture and is immediately like ah gotcha. Never mind. That looks forget, like Diana. Science. She's she's Satan. She she is she's the servant little, of little, Satan. A little, little little Satan girl. Yeah. Um. And, and then like the next thing is is like the voodoo witch magic, which um is Caribbean. Uh. Right. Yes. <laughs> that's that's that's, uh, that's some Creole stuff. Not yeah. Bulgarian. Bulgaria. No. Yeah. They have no history with anything resembling voodoo. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty familiar with with most of the the vampire myths and and, and legends of that area. Yeah, uh uh-huh, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Bulgaria is not the area for for vampires. That would be Romania. But uh, it's still, you know, it it happened in that whole area. Uh, What didn't happen is anything at all like voodoo. (laughs) At all. God, it was just so... (laughs) Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Because it really is like like 15 pages of of cold analyzing what could have happened, everything like that. And then it's... Anyway, uh, then I met Diana, and I saw a painting that looked like Diana, and I saw her playing with a doll. So she's a voodoo witch mage. (laughs) 
who's a literal servant of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my heart. Now, this this story was where I sussed out the truth behind, or one of the truths behind Itsumi. In that she she ends up seeing Itsumi at a hospital. And I immediately sussed out what that meant. Oh, yeah? Yeah. See, my mind I, was I, still going back to um, the book we read last. So I was thinking, like, oh, well, maybe she was already sick. And, and like, like, like a serious uh, illness. Because they had also mentioned the times before when she was, like, like off to the hospital for a week. She was... She she was like not acting like her usual self. She was vomiting and all of this, you know. So yeah. I thought maybe she was like like cancer or something, you know. No, no, I put all of that together and was like, ah, oh, gotcha. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's what's next? Damn. Finally, Shio Takaoka has the chance to tell her story. She describes being absolutely enthralled by Itsumi seeing her as a perfect big sister. When she had the chance to accompany Itsumi to Bulgaria, Shio, Itsumi, and Diana all had a blast together and became the best of friends, which she felt might have been exclusionary to some of the other girls after Diana joined them. One day it came up that Itsumi, after her graduation, planned to have the literature club shut down and the salon and its contents donated to an orphanage. This upset Akane, who had fallen in love with the kitchen, and Shio starts to notice that, immediately after eating Akane's snacks, Itsumi would feel sick. When Mirei joined and Itsumi shared her snacks with her, Mirei went home and threw up everything as well. This incident was recounted by Mirei as being overwhelmed by the beauty and generosity of all the girls. Eventually, Shio would hint to Akane that she knew what was happening, hoping to stop her but thinks she may have inadvertently inspired Akane to push Itsumi from the terrace. The lily of the valley here is representative of a scar on Akane's arm, which resembles the flower. And, like, a lot of these stories, if you go back to the first one with uh, that Murray told, you can see little things about how her uh, events contradict everything the other girls are saying. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting because I do think Murray was one of the more honest people. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, uh, Sokono w- was a wild racist and yes, Akane waged class warfare. Um but but Murray, especially once we learn what her thing is, she, she all of her lies I think were about herself and the made up story about Sokano, right? Yeah. Everything else she said I think was true. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that she did steal things as well, though. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, it's possible, but I also couldn't blame her w- with what we're going yeah, to learn no. here in a second. Also, also no. <laughs> 
Having allowed the five regular members of the club to thoroughly confuse the audience, Sayori surprises everyone by reading a short story written not by her, but by Itsumi. In it, Itsumi portrays herself as a cold, heartless, ruthless monster who sees herself as the main character and the rest of them as sidekicks, forced into, the, into their position by her with blackmail regarding their deepest secrets in order to prevent any of them from shining brighter than her. Shio had plagiarized her book from a French short story, which is why she was adamant not to have the book translated. Akane she's such a dick for, for keeping bringing that up all the time. <laughs> Wait, who? Itsumi. Itsumi oh, yeah. constantly is pushing Shio like, ah, we should all uh we should all uh translate her book yeah. to all the languages. No, the, all the... I didn't mention it, but but as you read each story, it becomes more and more obvious that Itsumi was like double talking these girls like all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. L- like 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 just constantly. She was clearly not the super sweet, kind, perfect person um they had been portraying her as well before this point, but the extent yeah. the extent to which she realizes or, or reveals her monstrosity in this story is uh it's sickening, to be honest. She's a <laughs> monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Akane had burned her family's restaurant down out of revenge for her plans of a new restaurant being changed, and the reins handed over to her older brother. Diana had pushed her sister Emma down the stairs of an old fortress so she could study in Japan instead. Sokono had used her access to Itsumi's father's computer to change her grades to look better for universities, and Mireille had been prostituting herself to support her family. That one was the best hidden of all the secrets. And I think Uh it's because only Mirei and Itsumi knew it. And and so Mirei was able to completely cover it up with talking about how she was working at like a supermarket with her mom and shit. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Like that one, that one caught me off guard. I was like, what the fuck? She was what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Itsumi was also sleeping with the club advisor, Mr. Hojo, and eventually became pregnant with him. Called that way back in Sokono's story. In Sokono's? Yeah. Oh, when you figured yeah. out that she was pregnant? Yeah. Yeah, because I had, uh, had kind of gotten that feeling during uh, Diana's. Um, I thought it was weird that, like, he's, he's just a teacher, right? Like, sure, he's the club advisor, but he's also just a teacher, and he has shit to do back at home. Why was he there both times, right? Yeah. Like, you, you would think they would change up the chaperones or whatever, but she was chaperoned by Hojo twice. That felt a little off to me, and I was like, hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her father discovers her relationship in pregnancy, drives Hojo out of town, and forces Itsumi to have an abortion. 
Itsumi believes that the literature club members work together to feed her father this information and works out a plan with Sayori to confront them all and kill them at the mystery stew meeting, poisoning the stew with Lily of the Valleys, symbolic of her aborted daughter Lily. <clears throat> the stew is not poisoned. Sayori has not gone through with that part because she used the lilies to poison Itsumi instead, killing her when she realized her friend was becoming boring, a domestic mother as opposed to the cruel manipulator she had been before. She has fed Itsumi's body to the literature club in the mystery stew, and plans to use this fact in the existing blackmail to make herself the new main character. Yep. You didn't... The the one thing you missed in this entire thing was talking about the fact that Sayuri uh, has been Itsumi's right hand forever. Uh-huh. They're, 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 they're tight. No, I intentionally them. left that out so I could say my theory at the end here. Okay. Which is that the girls never did that. Oh, you think... I think... Because... Occam's razor, right? The simplest solution is the solution. It is a very complicated process to have five girls come together, all with secrets of their own that could get out if they came out against Itsumi, and be like, okay, we're going to take down Itsumi. You go here and get this. You go there and get that. You do this and that. That's a complicated fucking plot, right? Yep, it is. It's a lot simpler if Sayuri, who knows everything about Itsumi, just goes to the father. I think yeah. Sayuri was the one who did it. She she was tired of being in the background because in all of these stories, Sayuri gets like offhand mentions in each of their stories, but she's never a prominent character. You'll notice none of them laid the blame on her. They don't think much of her at all. No. I think, I think she got sick of that and, and wanted the spotlight for herself. So she took Itsumi down. Hmm. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. That was why I didn't mention her much throughout the, uh, the thing is when I started writing this recap, I already had that theory about Sayori working. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is Dark Maidens, and uh, it's an incredible book. Uh, anything else it. about it? No. Uh, <laughs> you covered it pretty well. You, you don't you don't want to make a, a a comment on her feeding her best friend's body to all of them? No, no, <laughs> I, I I don't need to. <laughs> like like at the end, there is two shocking revelations right after each other. Uh, the the first one is it to me, you know, all, all, everything to do with her, and then immediately flipping that to Sayuri. Right. It's like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> and, and that, it really is like, it feels like it's just a couple pages of that, of, of, of Sayuri. Well, with Sayuri, it really is. It's like maybe it's, it's, three it's like, pages at the end of the book. Yeah, I, I feel like it's less than that. And it's, it's just like, 
you've got these long short stories from everyone and then you've got the short story from itsumi and then it like the book could end there but no and it would already be like shocking right you've got two more pages to just flabbergast you Uh uh-huh and this is a, a fantastic book full of twists and turns and 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 we we caught a few of them as we went through this is totally a read it again book though yeah i yeah there's so many other fucking like foreshadowings and and little uh, lies that were told that would definitely be caught on a second reading instead of a first yeah yeah Really good book. Definitely one of the best books we've read. Yeah, my favorite of the ones we've read. It's it's just it's gorgeous. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, that's it for this week. We've got one more week for uh the season and the year. And what are we doing next week or that We're week? We're doing the news. And we're going to talk about our um, glowing year points. Oh. We're going to have to do our our top and bottom seven games we've played. God, that's going to be difficult. It it is, considering um, you have some games written down. I'm sure they're all wrong. And uh, I don't have any games written at all. So I'm going to have to go back through a year's worth of glowing weak points to write down all of the games I've played. Yeah. Honestly, the top seven is going to be real easy. I'll have that done in like an hour, probably not like an hour from now, but like when I start it, it'll be done within an Uh hour. And then the bottom seven, you're going to have to go back through and see which mobile Uh games you played this year. Uh, Basically. Uh, no, I'll probably only take one mobile game. Um, cause the the way that I'm I look at it is it's just the worst that I've played. Right? It's not a yeah. comment on their relative quality within the game space. You know, it, a good game could still be on here just because I don't play that many bad games if i know a game is bad i don't spend money on it and i don't waste my time with it yeah right (laughs) so it's really like these games just weren't as good as the other shit that i played but they were mostly still fine all right well that's it for us yep we'll see you next time for the end bye-bye bye